Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. So this is our episode where we have our uh, interview with Darren McCarty. And there is one point where I was silently celebrating by punching the air and fist pumping and giving Brad the finger the entire time. I won't spoil why. Uh, There's only one thing that could be and everybody knows what it is immediately. But it is the greatest victory I will ever have won against you in this podcast. You actually, you said, cancel the interview. Cut the interview. That was it. It was over. That was it. It was done. Don't worry. We'll get the next the next four time Stanley Cup champion we have on the podcast. I'm I'm reasonably certain will side with me. Yeah, uh, you know it's just going to be Darren again, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in all likelihood, because a we've planned it, and b yeah, I will hand deliver him the Reese's, and then he will flip to my side. Yeah, that's fair. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. My name is Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. I'm Evan. I'm tired again. Yeah. <laughs> Can't so help it, eh? Sunday. Oh, wait, it's Monday. It's Monday. Yeah. Monday, buddy. This is even more of my reset day because yesterday was not. Today is my reset day where I get my life back on track and I was not able to do that yet. Did I- you fill yourself full of too much turkey and pumpkin pie? Uh, we had turkey on Saturday and then yesterday we had lamb. So I'm very meated out. I'm full of meat. <laughs> Evan's fu- Evan's full of meat. October fourteenth, twenty nineteen. Evan, I am full of meat. Yes, very much um, so. A quick poll: ham or turkey? Ham. Which do I prefer? Yeah. Oh man, that's tough. If I can only have, if I have to have white meat, I'm a ham guy. But if I can get some dark meat from the turkey, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Get, get get into that. That's exact. Those are both the correct answers. So bad for radio because there's no argument here, but that's the correct answer. If you want to keep going down uh, Thanksgiving foods, I have a hot take. Well, hold on. Before we get there. And I bet you'll know what it is. Uh, turkey, as it's presented often, is dry and tasteless because people are A, scared of dark meat and B, not real about how much work you need to put into turkey. But Discovering dark meat was the best thing I've ever oh, done for my holiday experience. So much better. It's like you have to pay more at Swish LA, no free ads, to get white meat. I don't know why. what kind of sadist do you need to be to order that. If you're already eating at Swish LA, you just take the food with more fat, right? Like you're like, I want this to taste as good as possible. Yeah. I'll have my lean meat at home. I'll go home and eat a can of tuna. Exactly. We, anybody who's been bulking has done that. You, you don't have a lot of calories left for the day or you, you've already eaten so many calories, but you need some more just lean protein. I just eat a bag of chips instead because I hate myself. <laughs> Trail right. mix or almonds. That's that's where you get your dense calories, buddy. Uh, cereal, like those high, like really packed in like all I got a bunch of votes. Good for that. I got a Costco size box of vo- Vector on top of the fridge in case of emergency right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not made of money. Jeez, Vector. Costco. Yeah, you buy three things at Costco, no free ads, and it's your. It's, my bill has like four zeros in it. I'm like, where <laughs> did my? What did I get? That's because everything there is industrial sized. <laughs> yeah, it's I, meant for a family of factory workers. All four hundred of them. The only company in the world that are give free advertising to is Costco. Thank God, those dollar thirty five hot dogs and oh pops. My God. Yeah. What's your hot take, Brad? 
The worst dessert on the face of the earth is pumpkin pie. Wow. It's gross. I don't get offended easily, but I <laughs> am deeply offended by that. It's I gross. Ate, guess how much of a pumpkin pie I ate yesterday? Use a percentage of a pie. 100. 100. I ate... <laughs> My, my family, there was four of us and a full pie. I ate 75% of a pumpkin Your pie. Your poor mother didn't get a piece. Between you my and your dad. My mom had one piece. I had four. <laughs> and the last, the fourth one was just because that's what was left. And I was like, well, it's got it's got to go in someone's mouth. And so, I crushed it. Evan's trigger points. Pumpkin pie and Alex Del Vecchio. Now we yeah. know. Oh, man. Oh, pumpkin God. pie. If if you could inject it, I would. I'm not pat. I, I like pumpkin pie. I think it's pretty rich. Um. I'm not so passionate about it where I'm going to be offended, but that's a hot take, Brad. I don't like even smothered in whipped cream. I had someone try to justify, yeah, but pumpkin pie with whipped cream, it's so good. I'm like, if you have to justify its flavor because of what you put on it, it's not good. Homemade whipped cream, my mom made homemade whipped cream, takes it to another level. Well, homemade whipped cream on anything would just be a win. You can truthfully. just eat it, my, which my father demonstrated. <laughs> um, I would rather just eat the whipped cream straight up than put it on the pie. People aren't used to the food hot takes coming during the season. Yeah, this is peak July content. <laughs> this is real Thanksgiving this weekend, though, so it's warranted. All right, look, I'm a big fan of Canadian Thanksgiving. I like when it happens because it also allows us to enjoy American Thanksgiving. Big bonus today. There's football. There's a Lions game on both Thanksgiving. Thank you to the NFL schedulers for that one. Very smart. And the Bills actually get an American Thanksgiving game this year. Don't they most years? No, never. Ever. I've never watched one in my adult life, and we get the Cowboys this year. Oh. Well, that's good, because they just lost to the Jets. Yeah, so there's we got hope, buddy. Yeah, you do. Um, this episode on the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're going to talk about the Red Wings and their games, um, some specifics about their players in Detroit, uh, their players in Grand Rapids, and of course, we're going to get to our interview with Darren McCarty. I first want to start by mentioning that this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, of course, is brought to you by Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Celebrate with Labatt Blue and the Detroit Red Wings all season long. Uh, find your specially designed cases of Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light at your local retailer to hashtag Selly on with Labatt Blue, especially when Zadina puts an absolute bomb into the back of the net with pure frustration. That was like a hardest shot competition. The way to celebrate that goal is with Labatt Blue. Uh, Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light, official Canadian beers of the Detroit Red Wings on this Canadian Thanksgiving giving with your favorite Canadian Detroit Red Wings talking heads. The Detroit Red Wings. I don't want to say it's been bad hockey because it's been, well, they beat Montreal. Like they beat Montreal 30 minutes after recording our last episode. That was great. That, that was awesome to watch. I think that was the exact kind of game when they win. That's exactly how they're going to win. That right. was was it first win in Mont- regulation win in Montreal since two thousand and seven. Yeah, um, Chris Chelios was still on the team, I believe. Oh God! Oh yeah, wow! Like that, that was the person on the picture. Was Chris? Chelios. That was the 07 08 season, right? Yeah. So do you know who would have been on the team that year too? Nick Lidstrom, Darren McCarty, Pavel Datsuk, Darren McCarty. <laughs> that was uh, that was the greatest. No, two thousand two is the greatest team assembled in the modern era, in my mind. Yeah, that was a that. Game was a really big highlight into a lot of things. First of all, the first um, big window into how well uh, Abdelkader, uh, Dillarose, and Helm are doing. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi scored. Anthony Mantha scored his six, of course. Uh, Luke Glendening put in a you know two hundred footer while falling down into the empty net to seal the deal. So true goal scorers do run. So remember, Luke Glendening has three goals. He has bomb into an empty net absolute snipe high glove side or some kind of backhand in tight there's no there's nothing else 
Uh, he's doing it. Those are the three. <laughs> Do what you're good at. He's already got two goals. Anthony Mantha scored his sixth, and that was in his fourth game. Uh, Deca- or Bertuzzi and Larkin connected for a goal as well. Um, Darren Helm scored. It, it was a great all-around effort from Detroit, and the one thing I mentioned at the end of it was if Detroit's going to win games, this is how they have to do it. can't just be uh, Bertuzzi, Larkin, Mantha line scoring all the time. It has to be all of them contributing together. Um, or the whole team contributing up and down the lineup. Danny DeKaiser played a great game in my mind. Philip Peronic played a great game. Cholosky had a really good game. Philip Peronic's going to be a star. He yes, the, the, it's it's to the point now where you hear people who aren't Red Wings people talking about Philip Peronic like he's like a lot. Yeah, it's not just he's, I see his name in passing on this outlet or that website or this TV talking head. No, no, everybody's all in on Philip Peronic right now, and it's wonderful. Oh yeah. Um, I think we mentioned not too long ago. Like, is he Detroit's best defenseman? Yes, he's. Is, made- that, is that even up for debate at this point? And DeKaiser's making a case because I still think DeKaiser's a little better defensively than Heronic. Not by a ton, but I'll give him the edge there. But it's those two, and then everybody else. I'm so happy that DeKaiser's continuing his strong play. Very, very happy with that. Um, makes that contract much more easy to like, digest. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know how that how he's playing better. Because in the weekly conversations we see floating around the internet about the worst contracts on the Red Wings, how they're going to get rid of the Advocator's contract or Nielsen or whoever, 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 you don't see DeKaiser mention that in any, anymore. No. He's not in those conversations. It's very stomachable. It, one, the cap has gone up, so it's less offensive now seeing that number. And two, like you mentioned before, DeKaiser's one of the only players who's locked up with any kind of term on this team. And if he continues to improve or at least regress back to the mean, then yeah, absolutely. Like, whatever. Your your team is always going to have a couple guys that are going to be overpaid. Obviously, the Red Wings have more than a couple. But if one of them is actually contributing, then he's hardly your biggest concern. Now, Justin Abdelkader is playing – like there's been no shortage of criticism of Justin Abdelkader anywhere and especially on this podcast. This week was – or. The game on Saturday was the first time I've said sent a positive tweet about Justin Applicator in I, I honestly don't know. And he, he fully deserves it. He yes, he absolutely does. That's the thing. Like this isn't a fluke. He's not just playing with a really good line mate. He's not just uh, like accidentally on the ice for goals. Like you look at the underlying analytics and you look at his actual play, like you deploy the eye test. Justin Applicator is playing really great hockey. Now I think this is twofold. One, his deployment is smarter. They're not asking him to play top six minutes anymore. They've placed him with Helm and Dilla Rose. He has a very clear objective on the ice. He's shutting down other teams' lines. Now, in the loss to Toronto, Tavares, Marner, um, Kadri, because he doesn't play on the team anymore, uh, Matthews, they were all shut down. You guys didn't laugh at my stupid joke. What are you even here for? That was a joke? Yeah. There was a joke in there? Oh, God. No, but the, the superstars for Toronto were pretty much invisible. They, I think they had just as or as much opportunity, if not less, than Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha did. They were not factors in that game. Toronto's depth and talent down the lineup is what won them the Clearly. game. Clearly. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, like, I didn't even... Like, Kadri was just invisible. He pe- That's a joke. It was... Evidence, <laughs> yeah, evidence but is the same his joke. His was delivered. Yours was just in pe- this strange passing. That's how I... <sighs> it, it wasn't good. Yeah, I know, man. It's okay. You can recover. <laughs> it's okay. Do you know how many whiffs I've had on this podcast, Ryan? You got it. We're just like balancing out here, man. I thought you said wife's at first. I was like, just one, right? <laughs> I'm still leading in that category. I, yes, you are. Evan? I've no, no. 
Uh, no, Justin Ablocator is legitimately playing great hockey. Uh, his deployment, like I mentioned, is is one part of it. But two, he's he's changed something in his game. He's not trying to be something he's not. You know where he's doing? He's really effective below the red line. He's doing a lot of great work behind the opponent's net. I've, I remember two goals distinctly that came directly because of his work behind the net, winning a puck battle, getting the puck around a guy using physicality and his like good stick work, which we haven't seen lately with Justin Applicator over the past couple of years. And he got them. He made a, either a great pass to the slot to helm. Like it was like abdicator to helm in the slot. So obviously that's going to be buried, but that's what happened. Or he got it back to the point where it was a point shot from to Kaiser to Kaiser. Beautiful and then, backhand drag. And then, yeah. And, and then helm buried the rebound. Yeah. It, it was, that's the kind of stuff that you want to see from Justin abdicator. And truly we didn't think it was possible. Well, at some point you got to realize your shelf life in the NHL is dwindling and you make the decision, you know, do I want to continue to play and how can I be effective in the NHL and remain on a roster? And clearly he's evolving his game in a manner to, to remain on an NHL team in some capacity and good for him. You know, he's not going to light the world on fire. He's going to play a very vanilla type game, but if that's what he can excel at, then good on him. The episode after the home opener, we were talking about how the Red Wings bottom nine was just a continuous series of chip and chases. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they still are. Now that Athens is back, the second line has some uh, carry-ins. Uh, the thing that the fourth line has done well is they figured out how to turn that chip and chase into an actual effective for checking Well, someone's got to go get the puck. Yeah, and they're doing <laughs> it and they're doing it well. They all play well off this cycle and they've been rewarded for it. Do I think this is sustainable? No, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, they're not going to average this five is, points a night. This is a two and a half, three game sample size. This isn't anything to proclaim that just Nadlocator's back, baby. But it's a positive sign that he's capable of doing it. Um, they Now, here's the thing. Abdulkader, Helm, and De La Rose are three defensive specialists. So if we continue to see them shut down the other team's top lines like they did Toronto and Montreal – and the offense completely dries up. I'm still very okay with that result. Oh, I don't. I don't think this offense is going to continue. This is by and large uh, a fluke. They are not going to get this many high danger chances again. Um, they've been gifted a couple lucky ones off turnovers, so it kind of skews the numbers a little bit. But Ollie doesn't like your take. No, but I, if they keep playing the defense they're playing, I'm I'm still very okay with this. It's the fourth line. It's an expensive fourth line, but we'll ignore that for now. <laughs> it's an effective fourth line because you have the speed and helm, the all-around game of De La Rose, and if Ablocator can refine his cycle game, the air quotations, grit quotient, good. This is what they need to do, and I'm here for it. Don't ever break them up. If this is your fourth line, rotate guys in and out on the third line, then it's fine. This isn't going to – and again, we're talking about a season that – I don't think that line makes or breaks this season for them, but hell, it helps the defensemen, it helps the goaltenders, it helps the other lines. Because if Dylan Larkin can get a couple shifts away from a Sidney Crosby in a game against Pittsburgh or a couple shifts away from a John Tavares against Toronto, yeah, it's not yeah. just the fourth line that's benefiting the fourth line. By playing like this, they benefit the first and second it line. It sets ma- up your teammates for success. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, like I'm going to spoil one thing. Darren said on the interview, people don't want to play Detroit right now. And I think that there's a lot of truth to the fact that you can't just get shelled every night and be okay as a team. It sucks. It sucks if you're a veteran that's used to winning, and it sucks if you're a young guy who's trying to develop. So being able to stay competitive in games by having your fourth line do the hard work and then have your first line light it up, 
that's great for the team. Now DeKaiser can actually do something besides be hemmed in in his own zone. Now Hirona can set up a, uh, in his office on the left side that, that Ovechkin spot without worried about being burned because the puck's in the other end. Like, it does so much to have lines that are actually capable of doing what they're doing. Well, a couple lines. A couple lines. It's too, Honestly, Brad, that's two more lines than we had, than yeah, we had last season. Yeah, two out of four ain't bad. No. It's not good. It ain't bad. Things are... Look, I, I know I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm not making any long-term declarations because I'm not saying the the grind line of the future is Abdulkader Helm De La Rose. No, by no means is that going to be you know anything permanent five years from now, of course. But you have a first line that's solid. You have a fourth line that does what it's supposed to do. You have a first pairing, although those are those are mixing up. They're playing a lot of Hirona Cholosky, which I'm here for. Um, but your d- defense are starting to produce and and kind of play really good defense for the first time in a while. That's the kind of thing you need to take shape. Is it going to start translating into wins in 2019? No, of course not. Um, it's still going to be a tougher season. Like we saw the Toronto game, they did a good job of shutting down the superstars, but it was still an altogether kind of crummy game but that's the kind of thing that you have to figure out now because when it comes time to turn the corner on this rebuild that stuff has to be in place those systems have to be in place that kind of team chemistry has to be in place the nice thing when you look at this team right now is it's not going to be a points night where the other team come in our building or we go into theirs and they just roll us they're gonna have to at least play somewhat decent hockey to to beat this team, and um, so that's that's encouraging. <laughs> no, but like it's it's funny because it's sad, but at the same time, like it's true. We're well, still gonna get rolled a lot, and you know players will regress and move to their means, and it'll it is what it is. But you know, right now we're showing that teams still have to play some hockey to to get get points on us and saturday was definitely an illustration of that we talked uh, a lot about you know what does success look like for the Red Wings this season what does a fun like what does a realistic but good season look like i'd say right now this season has been a success exactly if we ended the season right now you know we've saw, seen the emergence of of mantha and the continuation of bertuzzi and larkin moving more towards a leadership role and we've seen the development of our fourth line god help us <laughs> And Hronik and Cholosky have taken a big step forward. So um, if the season was over today, I'd say we're moving in the right direction. Asterix, it's been five games. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Brad, stop spoiling the fun. No, legitimately, all of this comes with a qualifier of. Oh, it's an 82-game season where a super young team, at least where our talent lies. Um, it's going to still be a grind and we're still going to get rolled on some back-to-backs. As- yeah, because uh, that... that- Second line hasn't produced the way we'd hoped it were, and if we're being honest, that third line's just a mess. You know what? Oh, we're I'm, if we had no problems with this team, we wouldn't be talking about lottery picks. This is true, but the reason I mentioned the third line uh, being a mess is because I have a bone to pick, because I was very, very, very complimentary of Jeff Blashill last episode, so then I have to keep him to task when he does something stupid. Okay. Remember the theories? About how Svechnikov was only up to hold a roster spot and collect a paycheck until the weekend Grand Rapids games came around and he'd play either in Detroit or Grand Rapids. Yeah, you all were wrong. He hasn't played. This uh-uh. is dumb. You were the only one who said that. No, I. that's what people, when I oh, tweeted yeah, about yeah. it and said, this is stupid, everybody tweeted back at me. No, no, no. This is what's happening. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. Evgeny Svechnikov hasn't played a game in almost a week and a half. This is stupid. 
There's no good reason for it unless he's injured and they're not telling us. He is that's- injured. He's recovering from ACL surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he played all preseason in the first Grand Rapids He game. had to. He's auditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, if it's not that, this is dumb. This is how- And it leads to my third line thing. You're telling me that he couldn't have helped that line in the last two games? Uh, I think Blashill saw that that team, you know, won against Dallas, won against Montreal, and he didn't want to spoil a good thing. I'm not agreeing with him, but I'm just giving you what he was thinking. I think... Then call up Matt Ford or somebody. Jesus. No, he's busy on that uh, line with Valeno and Zadina. Hey, they got a goal now. They do. We'll talk about that. If, if <laughs> Question. No, we'll talk about it later. I'll ask the question later. The uh, the great thing about that fourth line is, you know, you look at their Corsi at the end of the game, and their Corsi 4 is like... the One game, like the Corsi 4 for Larkin Bertuzzi Mantha was like 58.73, which is good. The applicator uh, Delaro's helm was sixty. Applicator's like I didn't know it could go that high. <laughs> like <laughs> they were they were legitimately suppressing other the other team's opportunities really well. Yeah, they they also do take a ton of shots from the outside, so that number's a touch skewed. But they are crashing the net, so they're getting some rebounds off of right, it. But yeah, those are plays that don't work at the frequency they've been working. The one game their expected goals was pretty high, and I was just like, that's obviously not going to happen every game with guys of this talent level. But the other game, there it like worked out as expected. Their expected goals was low, but they kept the other team's course the opportunities low. Like, and repeat, if this is their mo. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm very I'm very okay with it. What it boils boils down to, Brad, is you the biggest thing is, you know, don't get too hung up on this happening all season. Obviously it's not no no line is gonna be this effective all season. Um, but we see that it can happen and we thought that was lost with the abdicator. It's like in three hundred when that whole spear throw just to show that Xerxes could bleed. Like we show that this you know, uh, the worst version of just an applicator has a chance of fading away and he can actually make himself into an effective player. Whatever he's done in the offseason and whatever he's doing right now, he needs to keep doing. Something changed in him, whether it's uh, just the deployment or he, he worked with a certain skills coach or he worked on a skating or whatever it is, something changed and it, it's, it's been effective. And that, it's been five games, we know. But like Evan mentioned, if the season ended today, you would think that the Red Wings have moved in the right direction. At the end of the day, who cares really how if Justin Applicator has another stinker of a year? What does it matter? We're not winning right now anyway. There's literally a zero loss situation here. Yeah. It was going to be a net neutral at worst, so it's nice to see it in the positives. It's very hard to say positive things in when we're going to be a probably a lottery team. So yeah. having some things we can be positive about, we should highlight them when we can. Yeah. And it makes it fun. We always say enjoy the wins. It makes it fun when you know any given night you can go in and battle and grind out a win. I think that's a blast. Like, you know, Mantha tees one up all of a sudden and it's uh, you're winning 3-2 or, um, you know, Abdulkader decks out three players behind the net and puts it into the slot to helm. Like, that's the kind of stuff that you don't get a lot of when the team isn't clicking and it's not a, a high-talent team. So the fact that you can get that any given night, whatever. What is, what's the quote in football, any given Sunday? That kind of thing? That's the quote or is that the movie? Yes. Both. Oh. That's how it feels right now for the Red Wings. Any given day. It's less. Game day. Any Any given game day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll think of something better. What was your bone to pick? You said you were going to get to something. Let's get to it. I already picked my bone. My other thing is when you brought up Zadina. I just had a question about Zadina's goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. If there wasn't a net in the way, would that puck have went through the boards? 100%. (laughs) Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, just open Twitter and it should be the first six things on your feed. Um, we tweeted it out, uh, Grant GR Griffin's nest also tweeted it out. Uh, basically there was the, 
there was an off- offensive opportunity. The puck bounced around the crease a little bit. It came out into the slot just as Adino was <laughs> coming into the zone. Oh, it was and- basically like the hardest shot competition in the NHL, <laughs> yeah. except there was a goalie in the way. Yeah, in, you in wouldn't theory. have known it. <laughs> he skated in as fast as he could from the blue line and blew one pie him. I went to AHL TV and went frame by frame, and I still can't see the puck after he shot it. I can see when he shot it, and I can see after it was in. You didn't see the puck. You just sensed the <laughs> anger in that puck flying through the air. There was a great disturbance in the force. If he can't pick the corners, he may as well just put everything he can into it and blow one by somebody. He put that one right in the top corner on the high glove side. Even if he put that one center of the goalie's chest, I think that thing is still going in. I was going to say, do we not want to check the goalie's chest? There's a good chance it just went through his chest cavity and came out the other side and we haven't noticed. Ryan, don't be ridiculous. A puck can't travel through a goalie. It would have hit the goalie and the puck and the goalie would have went into the net. (laughs) Look, that's I'm true. That's one of Newton's laws. It's true. That's the fourth one, right? <laughs> there isn't a fourth one. There's there, only three. There is now. <laughs> Evan, Evan exists to murder my jokes. God is oh, real, and Evan. Jeez, <laughs> oh, don't don't hang out with good look, good looking people because they'll just kind of remind you of all the crappy things about yourself, like how I'm not funny. No, that Zadina goal was legitimately months of goalless frustration just outlitted into one shot. You even saw it, saw it as he was celebrating. He tilted his head up and went, thank God. Because he didn't score in any of the development camp games. He did not score in Traverse City. He did not score in the preseason. <laughs> he did not score in the Griffins opener. This dude had- Which had like eight goals. So counting preseason and scrimmages, he hadn't scored yet. For he a was your girl score. Uh, that is not good. No. <laughs> that was an 04 to end all offers. Look, he he had a good uh prospect tournament. He had like five or six primary assists or I something. I think he led the tournament in assists, if I'm not mistaken. So Zadina and Patrick Line, same path this year? Yeah, Line is what, third in the league in scoring right now? Yeah, almost all of those points are assists. Fine. Yeah. No good, Z- good players adapt. Adapt or die, Billy Bean. Yeah, Zadina, it was good for him to get that one. Obviously, he handled himself well in interviews, but you could see the frustration on the ice. So it's nice to kind of open that one up and hopefully the floodgates start for him. Um, This, in my mind, does need to be his season to step up. This is about that time where players from his draft class, if you're going to be part of the bulk that makes the NHL, this is the year where you make the NHL or you do what you need to do to make the NHL. So there's 68 games in the AHL per season. uh, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay, well, let's say there is. He's on pace for 34. That's all right. We'll take that. (laughs) Uh, There's some minor Red Wings news as we were recording the Darren McCarty interview. So we'll get to that before we actually cut to the interview. Alex Viega is playing tomorrow for the Red Wings on a pair with Dennis Chalosky against the Vancouver Canucks. It's nice of them to put him in against his... His former team. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice they're actually letting Chalosky play in Vancouver this time as well. (laughs) I knew that was coming. Yeah, that's fun. That's going to be a motivated pairing. It really will be. I hope I hope this is just like Chalosky's. It's just as special as if he, he got to play last year. Chalosky's going to have a goal exactly like Zadina's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's just going to walk into one. No, he it, it's good because Chalosky's from the area, for those of you who don't know. And um, uh, Biega was traded for from Vancouver. Yep. And he was a, a fan favorite there. He's very similar to what Joe Hickens is to Detroit. So it's good that they'll be on a pairing together. It's nice that Blashill's I, – I, he might be doing it for hockey reasons, which he should be, but it's nice that they're being paired together. I think it's a, a fun little thing in an otherwise maybe yeah. stinker of a season. So I'm assuming Erickson and Daly aren't ready to go, and Madison Bowie hasn't been good, so I'm fine with this. I maintain. I'm not sure 
Erickson will be good to go again. Nah. Um, Vancouver is uh, Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern because it's a West Coast game. Oh, I got practice at 8. That works out so well. The uh, the next game or the next podcast we have will be Wednesday or Thursday. But Calgary, the Calgary game because they're on a West Coast or a Canadian road swing is at 9 p.m. So we'll be recording that episode before the Calgary game. So only one episode or one game before next episode. I, I think safe to say we'll probably go Thursday because I don't think we'll go two days between episodes. Yeah, that's true. Right. Forgot Canadian Thanksgiving. It's Monday, Ryan. It's but. second Sunday. Second Sunday. Sunday, uh, the sequel. Last last thing I want to talk about. Uh, Hiroshi Athanasiu, Glenn Denning. I think Glenn Denning has looked good. I think that line needs to be a little bit more defensively responsible. I think they've been pretty poor defensively. Um, a lot of the lapses that have come not from defensemen have come from that line specifically. This, the Basically, Detroit's middle six is what's hurting right now. Maybe Athanasiu should be a winger. Shocker. Is that the easiest way to fix it right now? Just flip flip to center on that line? I mean, you could literally just flip Athanasiu and Glenn Denning. I would maybe try to... Well, you know, okay, here's the thing. That line is... Effective when they're effective because Glenn Denning is just doing whatever is asked of him. I think Hiroshi and Athanasiu do have some natural chemistry. Um, they've not both not been perfect. Athanasiu was hurt to start the season. Hiroshi is still within his first 20 games as a pro. He's a rookie. Yeah. So it, it, that's going to take some time. Eh, Athanasiu almost – he had a breakaway against Montreal, so he's still, still getting his chances. They've had their moments. They've had their moments. They've been by no means notable, though. Or it's almost like they're rusty and a rookie. Rusty and a rookie, yeah. I mean, Glenn Denning has been notable. It's the worst buddy cop movie ever. But anyways. I think Glenn Denning's legitimately been one of the best players for this team. Yeah, I can't get over how good that guy's been. Very. He's an athlete. He yeah, like absolutely he is. No, that th- they're not been. They've not been great. But again, it's five games, so you won't hold it against them too much. I think the biggest thing, yeah, is just get Athens U back to wing. I know they're only doing it because they have to right now. They don't. They have a centerman on his line. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. I, I, I'm i trying to find reasons here, but I, maybe I Sometimes can. things just don't make sense. No. No. But if they did, what, we'd have nothing to talk about. Okay. Would, would flipping Glenn Denning to center be any better? Because then you're putting a lot of offensive responsibility on him, right? Like, is that actually... Well, make just like Glenn Denning eat up the defensive zone and let let the wingers kind of roam a little bit. Well, Glenn Denning is great because his puck retrieval, his work in cycling the puck, his work off of uh, like in puck battles is that that's where he finds a lot of value and his defensive responsibility is good. But that line as a whole, I'm trying to pull up their Corsi here. Um, yeah, not great relative Corsi. <laughs> geez, uh, relative Corsi of minus twenty matched. Or sorry, relative Corsi of minus 31.45%. Not good. For example, Bertuzzi Larkamantha has had positive 28.7. And this is the Toronto game. Gross. And Applicator Delarose Helm had positive 10, essentially. So you can see the, the vast difference there. Well, something's got to change. It will. I, I'm worrying. I worry that either the top line or the fourth line are going to change in Blashill's blender. But again, five games, you're going to see different combinations no matter what. So I guess it's it's time to see what comes next. We're in the experimentation phase of this, sa- of this team's trajectory to winning at some point 
in down the road. It's the sandbox. Tinker away, here. whatever. It's the sandbox here. You've watched The Simpsons, right? Mm-hmm. You remember that episode where Mrs. Kerbopel showed Homer and Marge Bart's cone of ignorance? That's the Red Wings middle six right now. <laughs> it is. That's a great way of putting it. That's better than any analytics could that's a better demonstration than any analytics could give you. Uh let's just cut to the Darren McCarty interview, yeah? Yeah. All right. Uh, this is our first time, uh, definitely not the last time, uh, interviewing Darren McCarty. Um, it was an absolute blast for all of us. You can see very quickly that he's an excellent interview. Um, great guy to talk to, and we're pumped to meet up with him again. Um, yeah, tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. This is uh, a very exciting interview. This is the most Stanley Cups we've ever had in one interview. Four-time Stanley Cup winner and your favorite grinder, Darren McCarty. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. What's up, fellas? Uh, absolute honor. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, thanks for uh, thinking of me. Yeah, appreciate it. And right back at you, your uh, hosting a grind time is uh, absolutely phenomenal. We were just talking about, before the show, your... Uh, your interview with Drapes was was great because you know he introduced himself as the director of uh, amateur scouting, and then <laughs> you just blew right past it and had him open up it uh, back in uh, your time together with the Red Wings. So what you're doing is awesome as well. Well, I think that that's you know also too grind time with Darren McCarty. I, I tape a new episode every Wednesday, and you know. Not only do I have conversations with former teammates, like you said, uh, Chris Draper, uh, Chris Osgood have been on, um, but, you know, all different music, uh, comedians, all different stuff. And it's just sort of things that I, things that I like. So if you're a, a fan of mine and, uh, or, or if you're a fan of some of these other people, I, I encourage uh, people to, to do that. And the one thing with the, let, I, I'll ask you this, because I found it very intriguing is the way that Chris Draper broke down drafting Morty Sider at number one, the thought process and everything that goes behind it. I think that that was very educational to when you watch the draft table and there's phones being picked up that it's really, there's something going on last minute and there's decisions that have to be made on the fly. Everything's not in place, you know? So I thought that was uh something that people can check out if they want to get a little insight. So I enjoyed it. So when, uh, when Drapes was talking about that, um, that draft process, what difference was there? Like, is that a wildly different process than what you guys experienced when you were playing, when you got drafted or when your teammates got drafted? Does it, does it feel like it's more involved now? Yeah, I think because the game is so much more global and, it's so much more, you know, back when I was drafted in 92, I, I got drafted as the 19-year-old. I was the first 19-year-old to go 46 overall to Detroit. So the things were different back then. I remember the interview process. The one thing that I found intriguing is is that Drapes said that they ask, you know, when they come interview, say, who's I'll talk to you. And Maurice Sider was the only guy that every team interviewed, you know. So that always, that so that's a little intricacies behind the scenes that he was on everybody's radar that too. And Drake saying that he was over and he was going to catch a game in Germany and like in, you know, the dog days of the season or whatever. And he thought he was going to, he didn't have any Red Wings stuff on. He thought he was just going to slide in. And there's seven other teams that were there for the division two. So nobody slides under the radar anymore. I tell everybody out there, if you're good enough, you will be seen, right? There's no more hiding Holmstrom's and, 
northern Sweden or Datsuks or, you know, getting the Lindstrom's in the third round. Like, that's just not going to happen. So the difference is, is that it, it just comes down to there's a lot of talent available. What are you going to build? And I think that when you look at the Detroit Red Wings, having Steve Eisman come back, you know, the, the culture, it's just culture means the way that it's done. And you look at the young guys, you know, you look at the, the Larkin, the, you know, Bertuzzi, uh, Manta, Anthony, Ronick, and then you, and then you look at uh, the, you look at that line of Dilla Rose, Helm and Abdulkader right now, as you know, they're putting, they're producing some points and, playing you know good hockey so that's you know guys are competing for jobs and and it's tough it's going to be tough because they're going to lose games like they did at home against anaheim and unfortunately like they did against toronto but they're going to be going to montreal and win you know it's they're going to be in every game and when they learn how to be consistent then they'll be dangerous so nobody wants to play this team don't get it twisted they're nobody wants to play the Detroit Red Wings because they, you know, they're up and comers and they're unpredictable. Circling back to uh, your junior career, Darren, just because looking at your stats here when you were with Belleville, you said you were an overage in the draft because that year you absolutely dummied the OHL, 127 points, 177 penalty minutes. What I want to know is at what point in your career, in your junior career, did you realize what type of role you would have to take on to make the NHL? Did you know you wanted to be a grinder? Was that always the way you played? With the stats you were putting up on Belleville, obviously the offense was there. Where was your mindset at around that time? When I went, when I moved away from home when I was 16 and played junior B, uh, the biggest influence in my career was a guy named Brian Drum in Peterborough. Um, because he played in the minor pros and he was coached, he was coaching the team and I moved and moved in with him and they pretty much said, if you want to make it to the NHL, you have to do one thing better than 99.9% of the rest of everybody. And for me, it wasn't going to be scoring. It was going to be playing physical. So, you know, if I wanted, and I, I didn't mind it. I, I found that I was actually good at it and, and enjoyed it and, so it was always the same. If you look at the same, it's a simple recipe back in the day because the game was different. And first year in every league, you just fight. And then you always, you're always working in practice and you're always doing extra ice and you're always working on your skills and you're always doing skating camps and you're doing all that little stuff on your own. And, and when you have to, um, but you got to put up the, reputation early like even in, in junior b i was drafted fourth round to belleville and then uh my first year in belleville i just i fought and i had 12 goals and then that gave me room for my next year i had 30 goals and 150 penalty minutes and then the last year i won player of the year with 55 goals like you said 127 points and 177 penalty minutes so i was either on the ice or in the box and just the confidence level that i knew i had to do it i went up to adirondack and i had 45 majors was scoring like 19 goals or 17 goals. Um, and, and then I did the same thing. If you look at my fight, so every, you, you, it was a pretty simple for a, a guy like me. And then looking at it, being in Detroit, um, you know, it, it was the perfect opportunity because, because Proby was there, but they needed somebody else. And, and 
Martin LePoint was, you know, too valuable, needed him to score where he wasn't really that much a fighter. He was a physical guy, but, you know, he's, you needed him to play top six minutes. And like Kenny Holland asked me when I, in my draft interview, what would you do to be Detroit Red Wing? And I said, anything. So I would do anything it took to play. You know, I got to think about it, guys. I mean, it's like you're from Windsor and you guys are from Kitchener. I'm from Leamington. And I grew up cheering for the Wings because I was a huge Tiger fan. And I hated my cousins who were all Toronto fans and my buddies who were Montreal fans. So, so jokes on all of them when I brought the cup home myself with the Stanley Cup clinching goal and told them all to suck it. <laughs> All right, now that you brought up the Stanley you Cup. You know I did. Oh, that's the best oh, thing that ever happened to Leamington, Ontario. <laughs> Dude, that was, a, that was so – but you know what? That was – and this was back um, – this was back when the, uh, the old rink was in Leamington. So that was just like, you know, the Boston Gardens of its day, and I was able to bring the cup back, and everybody was able to – I was able to skate around – that was really cool to be able to skate around Leamington rink that I grew up on that I, you know, they'd let me in the door. I lived a mile down the road. They let me in at like six, six thirty, and all the guys around the rink and I let me skate before school. And I was always down there. So that meant a lot to me just to be able to give it back, you know, just to say thank you to everybody, you know, cause it takes a community to raise, raise a kid. And for me, that's uh, no different. Now, you mentioned your Stanley Cup winning goal there, and I have seen a few interviews uh, with you about what was going through your mind after the goal. What I want to know is, as a guy who played your role, what was going through your mind when you were skating through the neutral zone? Did you know what you were about to pull off? No, come on, man. Come on, let's call it like it is. It's the the end of the shift. Now, like... One thing is that playing with the grind line what made it so valuable is I'd start with them and end with them, but I'd always play with Stevie in the middle, no matter who it was. All the years we sort of won the cup, Scotty would always move me around and depending what it was. But I remember it was like the end of the shift. And I, I remember because I'm coming, I'm right wing, so I'm coming through the middle. Vladdy takes the hit, it goes up to Sandstrom. And I I remember seeing those guys change because it's so, sort of through my peripheral where the bench was. I got the puck and I see, I don't know what's mean at the time, but I see one guy back and I, I'm like, all right, dump it in, get off. And I went to dump it in and it sort of fiddle fucks, you know, it, it just like, I don't know. I say that, you know, Darren McCarty went to dump it in. God decided that here's your Mary the Mew moment. And next thing I know, I remember like going, oh my God, I got him beat. And then seeing that, you know, text all flying out at me and, I got it to about, uh, you know, less than a meter between me and that thing. And uh, I, the reason why I scored, I said, please don't miss the net. <laughs> and it went in. <laughs> so, but no, I was, uh, that, and that's all muscle memories from going to Sweden in the summertime for a month, skating with eight, nine, and 10 year olds, 11 year olds, letting them dangle me and doing this, doing these uh, summer training camps, uh, 95, 96, with a guy named Thomas Storm. So, uh, you know, that's my Swedish. That's that's the that's the all the Swedish I got in me. Darren, I want to take it back to when you first got to Detroit. Um, who was the guy who kind of took you under the wing and taught you the pro game? And uh, who was the type of guy when you walked in the room? You're like, holy shit, this is X player. Who are those two guys? Well, 
Well, the holy shit was uh, Stevie, obviously, but Paul Coffey. You know, like Paul Coffey was holy shit. And then, you know what, real like Proby, Sheldon Kennedy, I mean, they they were great. Uh, Steve Chase, not who I knew, but uh, the one that always has until this day, no matter what, has been Dino Cicerelli. So he's he's always been like a, a sort of big brother and, and through a friend of mine, I can honestly say since like I've 1992. And, uh, you know, what a great guy. Plus, I get away with talking to him like he doesn't take the way I talk to him by anybody else. So I feel pretty special that he takes the, the, the shit that I give him. Cause that's, that's just the way the locker room works. So, but, uh, you know, we a great team, but Stevie was always, and it's, it, it always was. And then, and then I'll tell you how, how it grows is because it's, it's amazing. Then, then you get on the ice and you see like Fedorov and then you see all the, when the, all the Russians came and you practiced against them, you know, like, but, uh, you know, Nick Lindstrom just, Never, ever made a mistake. You play against Chris Pronger and Rob Niedemeyer and be happy. You didn't have to go against Nick Lindstrom in practice. Because Nick used to just embarrass you by doing that handcuff drill that they, you know, he'd stick that stick into your hands and then you'd, like, you'd go limp. I mean, you could, and he'd laugh at you and he'd just continue to do it. I mean, look at our, look at the guys we practiced against. So games were, games were easy for us. Well, that's how you ended up scoring that goal in 97. It's because you had to go against Nick Lidstrom. So coming in on Yanni Ninema must have seemed easy. Yeah, well, gee, well I was – yeah, because every – I was thought it was Nick Lidstrom because every time I go down, the best play I can do is dump it in. But he usually knocks him out of the air anyway. And I yelled at him. So, I mean, you can't win with these guys. So you were mentioning a lot of the crew when you first got into Detroit was with Proby and Kennedy, and that's just a, a crazy group of guys. So – my favorite story to hear from most players in your position is what is the best chirp you heard on the ice? Oh, God. Oh, here. Oh, this, this, this is the best one ever. And God rest his soul, Sean Burr. Right? And you got to remember, this is in the 90s, too. So uh, I don't know if it's politically correct or I don't, you know, I don't really care. But Sean Burr's, and everybody remembers Sean Burr, number 11. We used to call him Skippy. Actually, Proby named him Skippy because it was always like that. Um, Proby thought the dog's name was Skippy that used to jump over top of big dog. Hey, Spike. Hey, Spike. Hey, Spike. Spike, 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 Spike. He's a Bursey. That's you. Just shut it. Always, right? So Bursey, but he could hit. And he used to, and he was quick and he'd run around and just hammer guys. So we're in St. Louis one night and he's running all around. So Kelly Chase is one of their tough guys and he comes out and it's in front of the bench and uh, lines up against Burr and he's like, slash, cross, come on, Burr, we're going, we're going, Burr, we're going, fighting, running around, we're fighting out. And Burr looks at him and goes, no, not. He goes, he goes, can I swear? Yep, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Go for it. Oh, okay. okay, yeah. Because, yeah. uh, yeah, no, because no, he's sitting there and he's going, what do you mean, no? He goes, no, not. He goes, fuck you, Burr, quick, what are you running around all night and whatever, I'm fighting, we're going right now. I'm, Talk drops were going and Brady stand for a bit. Like, no, not fighting yet. He goes, Fucker, you don't fight me now. I'm gonna fucking find you at the bar after the game and fucking beat your ass. Then Brady looks at him and goes, Nah, that'll never happen. 
Chase is all fucking ready. But what are you fucking talking about? He goes, I don't hang out at gay bars. The whole line, the whole, his whole team, the whole guy. If I remember correctly, I think Chase took a penalty and he scored in the power play. But right in front of everybody that it just, when you get the linesmen and, and both teams laughing, like that was back in 93 or 4, that was funny. Yeah, that's when you're looking for the trap door to get out of there. Oh, dude, no, that was just freaking great. That was just great. Chase didn't know what to do. The guys, you know, he's, he's, especially in hockey back then, if you, you know, called somebody that you're, you know, the guys that you're testing their machoism or something. Yep. So, Bert, given that you brought up Kelly Chase and stories of 90s hockey, I'm going to completely transition this here, but I think I want to hear your perspective on this because – Obviously, the NHL game, the way it's played today, is night and day different from the 1990s. In your opinion, what's better about the game today, and what's worse about the game today? Talent, speed is better. Respect is absolutely horse shit. <laughs> Respect for one another. And, 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 you know, when you're worried, listen, it's all a sport. I grew up with your head down in the middle. Could be mad at that defenseman, but fuck, it's your own fault. Same as in football. Now, now they get the guy who hits you, they find him, and you know, like, you know, they they make him out to be the biggest fucking criminal in all sports. So it's soft. There's no accountability. Guys don't respect each other because they don't have to. But the talent, I mean, it's like a, it's like a. They need, they really need to expand the ice, and make it bigger. Do you like, think there's a European? I think there's if they made it a little bit bigger, you know, it's a different game. Like the te- like, but it's also too is that hardly anybody could could play the rules these days. Just like most of the most of these guys probably couldn't play the old school game because you get in a seven game series, you're probably down half your team. There's some guys that could handle it, you know, just like anything else. But the games changed. You know, speed is the old size. Remember, the old size used to be if you had size, didn't matter how good you were, somebody could do something with you. Well, it's the same thing with guys with speed now. You know, the guy with speed is going to float around the NHL whether he deserves to because he's fast enough because that's the way the game. You know, I mean, it's. I'm just glad that I didn't have to try to make the NHL now, I mean, I I thought it was ten years too late, but no, I mean, I got in there right on time. Obviously, do you think there's a way for the modern game to get back that respect that we saw, you know, basically up until the two, early two thousands? Well, I don't know. I don't, it, you know, it starts, but it it starts with because the whole thing it's not about the you know the enforcer the the to. And uh, it's it's about policing. There's so many different reasons why you get in a fight, and it's and if you allow the guys that do that, the whole premise is if if I'll send my, it's like playing, I don't know, like the video games. I'll send my, you know, destroyers out. You send your destroyers out. That way, our our women don't have to, you know, get involved. You know, like I mean, it's like it's sort of like a chess match within the game to keep it regulated but you know the game's refereed differently so 
Darren, I'm going to bring it back to so I don't, uh, uh, what every listener thinks about. Well, they think about two things. One, that cup-winning goal, which you should gloat about at every giving opportunity. Uh, but second, uh, the story that everyone recounts when they talk about Darren McCarty and the grind line, which is the, the, the two incidents involving the Colorado Avalanche. Um, that has to be the greatest rivalry in hockey history and then possibly the greatest uh, player-player or at least set of player rivalries. Uh, what was like that? How, what was different about that situation in terms of the actual, you know, hatred or the actual like passion and emotion behind the moment? Well, that was, I mean, that, that my friend was life. I mean, that was way beyond because it's, it's, I don't care. Things happen life, things happen in sports. Um, that, you know, that you regret or that have, but you have to have respect for your fellow human being. The biggest thing, obviously, you know, hit him from behind or something where Claude News said you wouldn't have heard of Chris Draper if this didn't happen and he didn't apologize. That's taken a little far, bro, because, um, you know, that's the whole, that people don't realize. I do this, I do this slapstick comedy tour. I travel around telling these stories and, and doing comedy and people do you, do you realize that not only was my centerman it's my best friend i'm the best man in this guy's wedding i'm you know like he he's for lack of a better term like a big bigger brother to me you know and that happens and i have 10 months to think about what it's happened what i can do oh my god you know you don't driving me insane so until I finally, at the beginning, beginning of March, I tell everybody, I said, feel free to use this because I have a good relationship with the Lord, obviously, to get uh, where I am. But at the beginning of March, I prayed and I just said, I can't handle this anymore. Just whatever happens, please let me be the messenger. So do you think he listened or not? Because not only did, did I get the revenge, break it down and how it happened, right? Uh, Igor Larionov has had enough of Peter Forsberg and he, and I was on the ice and I knew Lemieux was on the ice and I was just waiting for the opportunity. And then the way that it played out, that's all upstairs. And if uh, that's, you know, the way that it played out and the fact that the biggest thing of that game though, is the fact that I got the revenge and I scored the overtime winner because the biggest thing was winning the game. And it proved in hindsight because of psychology, because what we were able to do because of that. You know, I tell everybody at the end of that game, after winning that game, because of everything that happened, it wasn't just the team. It wasn't the building. It wasn't the state, the country, the world, and the universe, whatever. Red Wing Nation, everywhere it was a proverbial sigh of relief. It's going to be all right. I don't know what it means. That's the same thing that I felt watching Steve Eisman getting announced as the GM. It's that that's, that's it's going to be all right. That's the same, same sort of thing. thing. And uh, you know, you know, it's one of those things that it's just my heart virtues, vulnerable truth of integrity, and I can't let that. You know, that's that is so wrong on so many levels that that frankly, everybody. That's the best way that it could have turned out in anything. Because then I didn't have to do anything really stupid. And I only got, only four, got minutes four minutes for it. For it so. So. <laughs> I didn't even get a maybe. That's the thing I'm pissed about. I had my career 127 goals, 129 fights. That's a four-minute and a ten. 
Now, I'm not, I'm not arguing because I came, came back and scored the overtime winner, winner, but I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying, uh, a little, little short, short of the personal. You uh, you talked a lot on your on grind time about, um, especially with Drapes, I, I heard you mention a lot about how the Red Wings, that team, a lot of that success came because you guys were like a family. It was like a brotherhood. How much of that uh, mm-hmm. was the case before uh, you were able to, as you said, deliver the Lord's message? And uh, how much was that solidified afterwards? Like, did you guys really just come together as a family after that moment? Was that like the shining moment for you guys? Well, you know what? It, it doesn't, it's so, it's a subtle thing. It's a feeling. It's not like uh rah-rah. It's like in the Rush Patrick, it says, yeah, it was like family. We just, it just takes you to another level. Like you've been through. And because look at, we've, we built up, we lost to, uh, you know, having those teams, the President's Cup teams, losing to Jersey. We, we've gone through, if they say you have to lose to learn how to win. This was the culmination of climbing the mountain. We didn't know that, but it just sort of, it was all like we all got, you know, this whole feeling around not just us, everybody. And then when the going got tough, it just, we could all each other. And we, and, and it was like that on and off the ice. And it still is. I mean, that, 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 you know, the one, the one thing Stevie always said, no, no matter which one is that he always, we'll always have this to share. And, you know, anytime we all get together, yeah, that's all we talk about is different stupid shit that we used to do. And I'm usually one that gets picked on. So you guys should, Hey, all the Red Wings fans should be sending me like, some uh, some chocolate or something to say thank you for allowing Steve to come back because I'm his bitch and you know he's not going to be nice <laughs> to me anymore. So I know I'm sacrificing for the rest of you. So I'm still sacrificing. We appreciate that. We all got to do our part. No, we all got to do our part. You guys got to do the podcast. I got to sacrifice. No, we're we're all in this together as Red Wings Nation. That's 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 what it is, bro. And that's the whole thing. We are all in it together. And and you know, it's like one of those things is that we're we're in a great position to watch the growth, but it's you know, there's gonna be some growing pains along the way, but it it's getting exciting again. And it feels I down at the rink it feels exciting. You know, around everywhere. So I do a lot of uh, stuff with the with the PR and the marketing and um it's it's awesome. I'm you know, couldn't be uh couldn't be happier with, uh, you know, what this team is, is about. And the best part is because of the culture and the culture is about the people involved and they're all a good bunch of kids. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that's important. And that's important. There's not an, not an asshole in the bunch and that's where it starts. Yeah. What other similarities do you see between this growing core that the Red Wings have now and, and sort of the teams that the Red Wings had prior to winning the Stanley Cup in, in the in the nineties? Well, you, you see, it's it's almost like the role defined and then you need you can't win in this league without a great one two punch or or you know, it's got to be some sort of, you know how in baseball they say if you're strong up the middle, meaning pitcher, catcher, second, second short, yep. center fielder, that's sort of where they make it. 
you know, in hockey, they, you try to do it. You start it up the middle and, and you know, with your centerman, you look at the centerman that they have. I love the fact that I heard Paul Wood say that they, what they did and, and you see it because people want to see it in goals and assists and stuff. No, what they did when they got uh, Phil back and Valtteri Filippola and then Adam Ernie and that Patrick Nemeth, they're problem solvers, which means they plug holes. And that's what you need. You got to almost like figure out what you don't have, but it's like defense and it's that all around game that you need. And, and you need that, the role players like that. I say to yeah, everybody, everybody. Um, I'm going to sort of perk up and get excited. And, and if there's a move made for that number one D or that goaltender, I don't expect it any this year, but you know, in the next year or so, because that'll determine, you know, determines, you know, if some pieces get moved around. I think right now you got guys competing at a high level and, um, you know, still learning. So, I mean, you know, the Grand Rapids team is phenomenal to watch too. I mean, that, that that's the whole thing is that there's, you got guys that are, are close in the minors too. You know, you know like you like can, you can see, see, you got to be excited because you can see this team sort of you know developing all right darren we have uh some questions from uh some of our listeners here we picked out some of the good ones uh from garrett tv he says hey dmac how do you feel about the current implementation of video replay and coaches challenges is it a necessary evil uh or do you think it undermines the spirit of the game well, you know, it's unfortunate because I think Calgary would have liked that back in 2006 or four or whatever when the game six, when that Jelena goal went across the line, but it didn't. So I don't know. If you're going to do it, just do it right. Don't do what the NFL is doing. You know, they, they, they pretty much said we'll put an implement where you can challenge pass interference, but we're never calling one. No, no matter how ridiculous, ridiculous it is. is. So, 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 you know, the know, thing, thing, I get it because some of these offside calls, the guy's foot and stuff, but it is the rule. And and at least more so that they get it right in hockey with the replay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's if, if they're not calling that goal, it's because they can't see it over the line because so it seems like they've, you know, move the cameras or, or done it. So you don't hear much of a, as much of a controversy. I don't, that's not, that's not nearly near the top of my list about issues I have with the game. I don't, I don't have, have an, an issue, issue with that. That's, no, that's, that's fine. fine. Matthew Tangsrud says, uh, who is the hardest Red Wing? I think you already said this with Lidstrom and who is the hardest non Red Wing to play against? Yeah, it, it just had a lot of battles against Prager. You know, even and I had a lot of respect for Prager too because we battled even when he was in, in uh, Peterborough and in, in the O, and then you know, obviously uh, St. Louis and Anaheim. Um, he was always tough. You know, back in the day, any of those like big guys, like like Ken Danico and like Kevin Stevens, like guys were like men. Like, and they could grab you up front of the net. And then literally, like, it'd be like you're, you know, when you're like 12 or 14, thought you're tough until you're like, like, you know, and then you stepped up and like your dad or your uncle, like, gave you the man strength on you. You go into that man strength. Yeah. You go into that next league and everybody's got beards and they're 18. They got that next level. 
it's like it's like I asked Corey Schlesinger. We were doing an autograph show the other day, and Corey Schlesinger was a fullback for the Lions. He blocked for Barry Sanders, and uh, uh, I asked him, "Who was there? Anybody out there?" He said, "Listen." He said two things. He said, "What is first year in the league? He he late hit blocked Deion Sanders, and Deion Sanders gets up. He goes, "Hey, Rook, what are you doing?" He goes, "I'll never get a chance to touch you, bro." And he's like, oh, I can respect that. And then he said, Reggie White, he said he, he was never supposed to be in position to block Reggie White, but something happened. And thank God the play was over because Reggie White put his hands on him. And he said, literally, I'm 245 pounds and he was going to toss me like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> uh, so on that's, the, like, that's, that's old school, though. On the same lines, Max Smash from Reddit says, what player that you fought would you love another crack at? And that might be a gimme answer, actually. Ooh, that's a good one. I'd like to fight Jamal Myers again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That was not who I expected you'd say. No? Who'd you think I'd say? Anyone from Colorado. That'd be somebody smaller than me. What? Anybody from Colorado? No, man. I mean, what, you want me to beat up Colorado guys again? And then my bo- hey, I'm not going to fight the sheriff, Scott Parker. Get the hell out of here. That's He's too big. You know, I mean, you know, thank God Cy was gone. So, didn't have to fight him. So, I mean, I'm good with the Colorado guys. Oh, Darren, if you want someone smaller than you, uh, this is only the first part. We, are, we now have to bring you chocolates, which means our next interview will meet up in Detroit to record in person. And uh, we'll put a bucket like on it. Brad. He's pretty small, so you can go beat the shit out of him. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's okay, but I, you know, I, only, I get paid to do that shit. So, I mean, I don't get paid enough anymore. That's what I tell everybody. Either that or you get three shots and either knock me out or kill me, and then it's my turn. And you never get a punch. You'll never get a punch off, bro. I've only had one guy ever in history actually – Try to take, take a swing. swing. I had off to lay him out, and I said, "Oh, dude, off the ice." What? That guy's not going to let you hit me. I'm going to. You're going to cock, and I swing on you, knock you out, and then tell you, "I'm sorry, I'm alive." <laughs> girls and boys. That's what happened um, once. You know what? That's pretty good. It only needs to happen once. Yeah. Everyone took no, note it, after it that one really time. Need that. It didn't really need to happen either. That was the whole point, and, and you know, when you usually get a, some of the conversation, then they realize how stupid they are. Um, Darren, I want to. Uh, this might be a, a you know, very. It's going to be an easy but a tough question to answer. Um, can you give us a little bit of an insight into your relationship with Chris Draper? Um, obviously, everybody knows you two are part of the grind line together with Kirk Malpy. Um, and he and Drapes was one of the guys who, you know, uh, mo- helped you get back into hockey. What does Chris Draper mean to you? Well, I mean, you know, he always had. He's he's, you know, like we said, is that he was always it was always me, him, and Ozzy, and and he was always a responsible one, and I was always the one that made sure every nobody got mess with and and drapes was the one that always got yelled at Nazi was always the one that got away with stuff but drapes it was always since you know early on it was just uh we were roommates so um you know you get to really know somebody and obviously when you you know you start you play on a line but when you're on a team and and obviously we you know i always busted his 
fact, because he'd always give me crap because when he was in Ottawa, he beat us out in, Bell- in Belleville the one year. And, and so he, Japes is one that will always hold whatever he can over your head. But, um, you know, he, he's just, just a solid human just a solid human being, you know, like just, you know, like it, it, it's, he's one of those guys that has the same friends that he grew up with in his, you know, name that go around and they're all the same quality people, you know, that's the, that's the one thing with Drapes is that he just always surround himself with the best people, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't. And that's where, you know, it's always like if I just follow his lead, you know, good things happen. So, um, you know, he always tried his best to to keep me out of trouble or to try to, you know, uh, I was always, you know, my worst enemy, and and he'd always do the best to thwart me on on that. And you know, he kept me out of trouble a lot of times. So, uh, I just think over time is that it, 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 you know, it's like brothers. We're we're like brothers and. You know, sometimes it's like family. You, you know, sometimes you're not happy with what the family does, but it doesn't mean that there's not love there. And 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 a lot of times too is that it's tough love that 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 I realize to that they have to back away when I'm in a certain place. Um, but when I'm ready to come back around, then they're there to support. So we don't. Uh, there's going to be no more of that, but, uh, I'm tired of doing that shit. So, um, I'm in a good place now and it's through help of, of drapes, especially coming back to win that fourth cup and do it with those guys. And then just, you know, now in life, sometimes people don't be afraid. You gotta, you gotta, I always say it's that look in the mirror and, and that self-awareness of, of, are you, be honest with yourself no matter what and that's the when i was able to do that and the people around me that know me the best so you know that's that that's what it is and think about it why would why wouldn't they when you spend the most time with with all these guys you know and and some of us you know even more so you know because that's that's the thing is the grind line was just as close as anything else, because it would always be Joey and I, and then and then Maltz and Drapes, and then we'd all hang out together, and there'd be Ozzy. All right, Darren. Uh, one more question here. Um, you know, talking about your relationship with these guys, obviously, uh, growing up as a family together. Um, who is one player that people might be surprised to know? You know, had a big personality, or or was a big partier, or uh, oh my god. No, no, the the funniest guy. Well, there's two, the two, <laughs> two guys. I'm gonna out uh, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin, as being one of the funniest uh, teammates. Um, I would I would say he is probably physical humor. Um, he does some funny stuff, and and um, he's a character and and a great guy in the dressing room. And another guy, uh, goalie who might be the greatest third goalie of all time, Kevin Hodgson. I mean, he was, I think Scotty kept him around because he was so great in the dressing room. And, and, and he would like, he could imitate any goaltender in practice. So he, and, and he, and he was so funny because he'd be doing play by play as the play would be going on. 
in practice and you know like scotty shut up Dickerson, you know like oh, sorry scotty sorry scotty you know come on take us hot today you know like uh I, i'm gonna get him on the podcast and i'm gonna get ozzy and drapes on too because it's just guys like our dressing room was was young and old but it was all all you know all together in different ways so um those guys were those guys were funny Speaking of goalies, um, you had some time playing with uh, Dominic Hasek, and, and by all accounts, he's a bit of a quirky kind of guy. Um, oh, he's a nut job, bro. He's yeah, what? Give us, give us something about he's him. He's a lunatic, dude. He's a lunatic. He's a lunatic, dude. He'd have us take slap shots in the slot at his head, just and and he'd be like heading them. Higher, 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 higher. Oh, he was crazy, bro. He's the only guy I could ever see get a Gatorade towel around his waist. Fucking Skeletor. I mean, seriously, you see this guy a towel, and you wonder that he could take a step and break a bone. I mean, and, and then you see him out there, he's Gumby. Like, because I'll say, like, bar none, the greatest back-to-back goaltending display was game six and seven in the Western Conference Final in 0-2. He shut him, shut Colorado out there two nothing and home seven nothing and made everything. He was like he was really good when he was on. Like and he had his own style, but he practiced it. Like he worked hard at it. But he was a lunatic. <laughs> All right. Uh grind time with Darren McCarty. If you guys haven't heard it yet, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh DarrenMcCarty dot com as well to go check it out. Uh, Darren, like I mentioned, we owe you some chocolate. So next time uh, we'll meet up in Detroit um, and we'll do this one in person. Thank you so much for coming on today. All right, boys. Reese's peanut butter cups, baby. Or if you're coming from Canada, you better bring some of that arrow chocolate over. I don't care who's got to don't don't pants it or anything. Just say you got a chocolate bar for D-Max. We have our ways. We'll get it into America. All right. Arrow, right? Yeah, that's it. How about that? So do you guys like... And I don't realize it as much because they actually got ketchup chips over here now, but they still don't have shreddy. Oh, and, they, no? and I don't know if I can find an arrow bar. You, you, so I don't know. Uh, you might be the only person I know who's asking for shreddies to be brought somewhere else. Really? Oh, you yeah, guys don't like shreddies? I'm a bit. I'm a big shreddies Come guy. Come on, man! But... Shreddies and brown sugar. Oh yeah, that's not bad. You guys, you guys, you guys don't want to make it to the show, do you? God, that's a, that, that's a raisin branded shreddies with brown sugar might have fueled like box after box. Oh, that's why it didn't fueled me when I was younger. Not enough shreddies. Yeah, that's right. it, buddy. Reese that's peanut butter it. cups, all right, all shreddies. All right, thanks so much, Darren, and uh, until next time. You got it. All right, thanks, Darren. Thanks a lot. Welcome back. That was Darren McCarty. Grind line legend, Red Wings legend, four-time Stanley Cup champion, and on my side about the offside argument. More importantly, the messenger of God. <laughs> Just a great dude to talk to, really. That was the best answer to any question we've ever asked in an interview. I, the messenger of God. I, was, I love it more than I can put into words. I was talking to these guys after, and I was like, we were obviously going to talk about the Claude Lemieux thing, and I didn't think we were going to get anything new stuff that people haven't heard yeah, before. Yeah, he's probably been asked that qu- about Lemieux 40, a thousand, thousand times. 
and he told us how he was just the messenger from the Lord. <laughs> that is, and my amazing. eyes got wide, and my smile could has literally never been bigger in my life. I was like, "That is the best thing I've ever heard." No, it was great uh, connecting with Darren. Um, we're pumped to do this in person in Detroit, so you guys should keep an eye out for that. Um, uh, Grind Time genuinely is a great show. Uh, I'm currently listening to the the Draper interview, just wrapping that one up, and it's awesome. So uh, check that one out. And uh, yeah, looking forward to to talking to him again. Hoping to have some other very cool guests on soon. Won't say too much more than that, but um, maybe we'll have some more news on that soon. Uh, all right. Is there anything else that we want to talk to before we get into overtime? Anything happen in the league that's worth talking about? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, let's talk about the, Capo Gacko at his first goal. Yeah, he that did. was nice. Uh, yes. I want to say something about New Jersey because they've sucked. Are they the Cleveland Browns of the NHL? Yes. I'm going to hesitate. It's October. Nothing makes sense. I'm going to hesitate to talk too much about how bad New Jersey is because, A, it makes us look bad because I predict- predicted them to have a great year. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, this is a team with a lot of new players and a lot of new, very good players, and it's going to take a while for them to mesh. Are they going to be a contending team? If they play like this, no, of course not. But just wait till they have one away game in Vegas. After that, they'll just go on a tear. Yeah, absolutely. That's all Are you're you talking about in Vegas or after Vegas? After Vegas. Okay. Yeah. No, it's that's the kind of thing where you need to give them some time to mesh. John Hines is a good coach. Does the NHL still do the bye weeks for uh, each team? Do we have that this year? I think so, because there's no Olympics or anything. In a way, but they've kind of cut it back. I don't think it's as dramatic anymore. Because okay. I had like 15 day breaks and that was ridiculous. That was only like a week. You're only a week. Yeah. Don't de-dramatize what I say. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere around the league, I don't know what else has been like really newsworthy. Um, There's been stuff, but nothing earth shattering. Pitts- Pittsburgh lost all of their good players and got better. Yeah, as they do. That's Ca- a Pittsburgh effect. I Carolina think. is a team of destiny. Yeah, also. Probably true. the most fun team in hockey right now. Patrick Marlowe played his first game uh, the other night. Yeah, he, and he did really well. Yeah. Which is awesome. I was not expecting that at all. Successful debut. He said Again. he was nervous. Can you imagine? That guy has done almost everything in hockey. Is there a more nervous. wholesome guy than Patrick Marlowe in hockey? Uh, there can't be. Uh, there might be, but I don't think there can be. No, he's up there for sure. Ottawa sucks as usual. Drake yeah. Batherson had about 50 points in one game in there for Belleville. Eugene Melnick was voted the worst owner in all of professional sports, which is hard to do when Dan Snyder owns a team. I was going to say, that's, yeah, that seems a little hyperbolic. No, uh, even knowing Snyder and James Dolan, it's probably still Melnick. Yeah. How can he be the worst when there's still the Redskins and the Indians? Well, here's, yeah. here's the thing. Because... They're, they're, what they do is just in poor taste. What Melnick's doing, there's <laughs> actually like legality question marks. Melnick had a deal to, for a brand new arena in the downtown core of a hockey metropolis and he tanked it. For, the capital of a country. For reasons. And that's the only reason I can think of. Just for Now, is, isn't the company suing him? Yeah. yeah. The deal's off. It's just a hole <laughs> in the ground. The company, he's being sued. He countersued for like a trillion dollars. I don't know. It's all a lot. I don't know. It's. I don't blame them for making that choice. And apparently he has ties to Ukraine, which is a touchy subject. Sorry, what? You didn't read the article? No. I'm a headlines guy, Brad. (laughs) Buddy, that's where he made his money, they were saying. Like in the, I want to say it was pharmaceuticals. 
I read this like two weeks ago. I don't remember anything right now, but uh, it's it was like the first part. They didn't flat out accuse him of anything because obviously you can't because legal reasons. But yeah, libel. Yeah, if you're reading between the lines, there, it's not good. Uh, someone. So I don't know what's actually going on, but um, hmm. someone from CBC put out an article. Um, and I forget their name, which is bad of me, but it really clearly demonstrated how the fans are just done with this shit. Like, they had 9,000 fans at a game this year. They're not going to games anymore, and I don't blame them. Also, it's not even in Ottawa. Like, in the parking there is a disaster. There's one major road in and out of the, uh, into Canada. Like, and just in, get and the- Ubers won't come because they know how much of time pain that is, so they can't get anyone to pick them up. Just get, just fucking bring, revive the arena deal. LeBret and Flats was exactly what that team needed. I don't understand it. If you're an owner and you want to make money, you're all about the money. Just make this arena deal. Cut it with the public funds. You're not going to get them. Do what you need to do. This the the value of your fr- hockey franchise. It would have blown up. Would have blown up. And he's already made a killing on this team. Blow up the value even further. Sell it before the arena is even built if you want. I don't care. The the intrinsic value is going to go up. Oh, yeah. Cash out if you don't have the liquid funds to actually pay for it. And then you're done. And Obviously, I'm no economics major. I think they but- have like four very high profile job openings that they can't fill. Hmm. Like, don't, I don't think they have a president of hockey operations. They cease the search for the time being because they can't <laughs> God, find anyone. Come on. That's no one weird. wanted to do it. They said they couldn't find anyone viable. No one wanted to do it. You know how many people that's said a, no? That's a bad way of saying no one wants this job because God. everybody wants a job like that if you have any inkling in the hockey world. Fine. I'll do it. I'm good for you. <laughs> Honestly, good for you. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure I'll make tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we are going to uh, get into overtime. Uh, overtime is sponsored by Motor City Garages, uh, a family-owned and operated business with over 25 years of experience in the custom garage interior industry. Uh, they offer multiple custom garage options, including epoxy flooring, module tile flooring, cabinets, overhead racks, wall storage, creating a viable fourth line for your NHL hockey team and car lifts. Uh, they're servicing Metro, Metro Detroit area and have uh, plans to expand. So uh, Motor City Garages, park in style. Uh, Patreon is where we read out uh, our comments from fans, listeners uh, around the world of hockey. We start off with um, Patreon supporters who have been absolutely amazing. Guys, there's another Jersey giveaway soon because you crushed our goal of 200 patrons for this episode or for this podcast. So thank you. Um, They get their comments read out on air as our way of saying thanks. Matt McKay says, good day, guys. What a start to the season. Got a fantasy question for you. If you could have any active NHL player in a wing sweater, who would it be? I'll s- oh, like on your fantasy team? Just Wait, what? If you could a have Red Wing? any active NHL player in a wing sweater, who would it be? Oh, who would I? Connor McDavid? No, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say for my fantasy team then. You go first though, Ryan. I got a like... fantasy. By the way. I don't uh, understand that question. Like, are, are we say on our, on our fantasy team? On the Red Wings? From the players on your fantasy team, who would you most want to see? Oh, Leon Dreisaitl. Mine is uh, very relevant today. Uh, I would personally like to thank David Pasternak this afternoon for his full goal. I was wondering who had him. Four goal performance, so I will uh, take David Pasternak. Brad now knows what that feels like. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Catch up, Ryan. Yeah, Yeah. you're next. Um, Oh, man, that's tough for me. David Pasternak. Uh, Do I go David Pasternak or do I go Gary Price? Pasternak. Yeah, contract matters. Mm-hmm. Pasternak. Man, 
Okay, I've got two. Would you rather have Ryan O'Reilly or Mark Stone? Mark Stone. Mark Stone. I think Mark Stone's a top five player in the world right now. Hey, I won last week. Okay. I, I did not. I won't say who I lost to. I'll say Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, also, what did you think of Howard's failed center I saved the other night? Oh, let's talk about that. Okay, that was bad judgment by Howard, but you want to know why he hesitated? Because he wasn't expecting Madison Bowie to get burned so badly. Mc- that was Mikhaev who scored, right? Yeah. He is sneaky fast. Yeah, he is. But Bowie had a head start and wasn't even pivoting. He was already skating the right direction. He got toasted. Mikhaev is a bajillion times faster than Bowie. You interfere with him, you know. Uh, you you got to do the hassock like pads into the into the skates and just let the guy fly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for all that you do. Love the show and hope it keeps growing. Cheers. Thank you, Matt. Craig Kibble says I've spent some time thinking about contracts lately, trying to come up with a different approach on how GMs could value talent. Here's what I came up with: pay any forwards one million dollars per ten points. Defensemen get two million dollars per ten points. I didn't really have a great metric for goalies and decided to just stick to nine million for a starter and backup. Here's our roster based on last year's stats: Larkin makes seven point three, Athanasiu five point four, Mantha four point eight, Bertuzzi four point seven, Nielsen three point five, and it goes down from there. Howard five, Bernier four. Based on this thought process, do you feel like this is a method that a GM could actually use to distribute contracts? I was amazed at how fair it was. GMs could take a player's average over the course of their career to look at player progression and regression of point totals to adjust the metric. It won't be as clean as that, but like you're not, I don't think you're too far off the point in that a certain amount of goals or points will be awarded by so much, but then you still have to start adding conditions. Like you add comparables, you add how many of those points are goals, you add how many of them come on the power play. You add who their line mates were when they happened in the season. If you look at most GMs use something like this and the teams that don't are and the teams are the teams that overvalue intangibles. And those are the teams that are in cap hell right now. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Craig's. Oh, this is one of those comments where they're just getting me to read something out. Hi, I'm Ryan Hanna, and I'm here to talk about the importance of the offsides review. We must have the S in offsides for the full effect of the review, because without it, you are just offside, and who needs a review for that? Offsides matter. Offsides, however, that we must have a review. Remember, I think that's a typo, something in hash marks. Offsides matter. This message is endorsed by Ryan Hanna. 2020 offsides. Well, I hate you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I said I said happy birthday to you. I trusted you. Rowan says, good day, dud duds. After the horrors of the typhoon in Japan, the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals are now set. Uh, England versus Australia, New Zealand versus Ireland, (coughs) Wales versus France, Japan versus South Africa. Pick the winners, a game show proudly brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. When you're pulling guesses out of thin air, use Stay Fresh Cheese Bags so you don't go off sides with your bias. I hate you guys. Wales. England versus Australia. Who wins? Australia. Australia. I go, yeah, I'll go Australia. They fear nothing when you see spiders like that. New Zealand versus Ireland. The All Blacks. New Zealand. It has to be New Zealand. But I'll say Ireland just because of heavy drinking culture. I appreciate that. Wales versus France. Wales. My France. Wales. Japan versus South Africa. Japan. I'm Team Chaos. I like the Japan story, but I think South Africa takes it. Sure. Uh, Has Brad talked about his game yet where he allegedly had one goal, one assist, yet the score sheet says two goals? Apparently, he was on the bench for one of the incorrectly listed goals, so that calls into question his others. Fair to say he didn't do a goal or an assist and is taking credit for scores errors. 
Those are called ghost points, and those are what people live and die by. I, I yeah. appreciated the ghost point that I got. The other two were legit. And and the goal that I actually scored, it was nice, boys. Uh, it was a good one. I was never an offensive defenseman when I played. In one year, I only had one goal, and it came in the last game of the season, and it was a ghost point. I was definitely on the bench. They accidentally awarded me a goal. Attaboy, Riley Shahan. Uh, can we please take a moment to appreciate the name of the team and mascot possibilities of the Milverton four-wheel drives? It's a quality team name. Uh, also, assuming he isn't waived, note down 23rd of November in the diary for the revenge game versus Tavistock. I yes. assume there will be a WWP ticket giveaway for this game. Yeah, we'll actually pay you to go. <laughs> and another blow to Brad, elite scorer Darren Helm has two-game goal streak, has uh, double, that's right, double the amount of goals as Larkin and has dragged that fourth line to relevancy. Is it too early to be talking about garnering a first-round pick and a prospect for Helm at the deadline? <laughs> it's never too soon. Are you okay with him being traded? Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah. No, they'll they'll riot. Jersey time. This is a good one. <laughs> Rank them. Vancouver Millionaires, Ottawa O Jersey, Devils Red and Green. Ooh. Ottawa O Devils Red and Green, Vancouver Millionaires. Oh, I have Devils Red and Green, Vancouver Millionaires, Ottawa O. Oh, that Devils but- Red and Green is sixth on the list <laughs> you don't like it i don't know no, it's awful i think it's crisp i don't like the millionaire's jerseys the word oh. going through the v looks stupid you want to know my favorite why hot take that's the best vancouver throwback jersey you've had a lot of bad takes on here ryan no look the spaghetti skate jersey is objectively nice i like it but i can't get behind the logo the logo to me is it's only good based off nostalgia uh small aside since we're talking about canucks jerseys those uh jerseys they were wearing in the saturday night game against philly those should be their permanence. Those were beautiful. Uh, just your average Teej says, well, I was going to ask a question about draft prospects, but I figured it might be too early for that. So let's just again appreciate this is a Dina goal. Holy frick, that was a rocket. Can't wait to watch more of the AHL. Wanted to say you guys uh, rock. Want to say you guys rock. Seeing you all at the meetup rocked. You guys are keeping me sane in the hardest part of my schooling right now. Anyway, stay fresh cheese bags. Keep at it, Teej. It was great meeting you, man. And uh, hope to see you at the next meetup. Ian, Gray- Ian Grant says, hey, guys, I'll keep this short. Brad, you're going down this week in fantasy. That's all. Thanks for what you guys That's do. That's who I'm playing? Yeah. Thank you, David Posternock, because I'm currently kicking ass and haven't even had a goalie play yet. Uh, Justin Klinsky says, boiled bread, boiled bread, offsides, offsides, go pack, go. Oh, go Lions. I didn't realize what I was reading. Go Lions. That game starts in like 30 minutes. Mark Burnham says, hey, boys, long time no comment, but I'm still here lurking. At the risk of being overly warm and fuzzy, I just want to say that you guys did a great job this offseason. Holy frick, it's almost like you know what you're doing now. <laughs> Wish I could Not have made really. it to the meetup and home opener, but my girlfriend's brother rented a suite at the Tampa Bay Carolina game in Raleigh that afternoon and invited us down. Good game, 4-3 Carolina winner in OT. And being in a suite for it was a cool experience. Carolina is a legit team, and that arena was loud. That is like the top of my list of uh, arenas I want to go to. Vegas is top of my list. I would put Carolina right now and then Vegas. Don Mitchell says, please settle the debate. Which of the following players get inducted to the Hall of Fame? Marlowe, Kessel, Chara, Bergeron. Uh, Chara and Bergeron are locks. Yeah, they're locks. Uh, Marlowe, again, I'd, if he breaks the all-time games played record, I'd say yes. But again, it's not the Hall of Very Good, but hell if Guy Carbono can get in. Uh Kessel, it depends how long he can keep up this point trajectory. I think he's got a better chance than people give him credit for. I think he's super close. He may not be first ballot, but I, I honestly think Phil will be in the Hall of Fame. If he, Yeah, I, I think it's the same thing. If he continues, has a couple more 30-40 goal seasons, you can't ignore that. He has his cups. He has the goals. 
there was like a decade streak where he was the highest scoring player in the NHL. Like not every season, but like cumulative. I'm excited for the debate because generally the people who hate Phil Kessel are the same people who overvalue Stanley Cups when talking about Hall of Famers and Kessel has multiple. Mm-hmm. So the inner de- debate will be fantastic. Let's have a little more fun. What what will the ring- Wings record be this week at Vancouver, at Calgary, at Edmonton? I'll give them a one and two. We're going to finish one, one and one. Yeah, that's what I was going with. One, one and one. Thanks, boys. Don. And I'm going to get back to Don in just one second here, actually. Joseph Fournier says, stay fresh cheese bags. In regard to the long Patreon comments, I'm an adamant supporter of freedom of speech, and I'm totally opposed to character limits because (laughs) – bastard. He cut off his comment to make it look like I (laughs) censored him. No, I went (laughs) – That is some next-level trolling. I love it. That is actually one of the best ones. No, I went into the the Discord after to chat with you guys and – it wasn't an idea that like we were set on and you guys like made it clear. Like you're like, no, you, you love connecting with Patreon comments and sometimes they'll be longer. So yeah, like we're not going to cut those off. Um, we love that this is a problem that we're having. So I'm just going to cut you off. Yeah. It's going to be a problem that we're going to keep having because we love you guys and you're what makes the show. Uh, talking about Don Mitchell, um, he brought us this gift at the meetup and it was this beautiful wood carving of, uh, Gordy House signature. You won't see it in the YouTube videos now, but once we have the studio set up, we're going to feature it either on the table or in the background. Um, it's sweet. It is absolutely awesome. I was just like, bl- I was speechless. I've never seen anything us. like that before, so no. it's super unique. Um, and it's very, very well done. Yeah. And then I asked him uh, about it, and uh, he told me the whole story behind it, and I had him email me so I can read it out. Um, In the fall of 2017, and this is from Don's perspective, my father had a severe heart attack that required him to have quadruple bypass uh, operation. Odds of survival weren't great, but thankfully he pulled through and is still with uh, me today. Um, However, with successful surgery and rehab time in a hospital room, there comes hospital bills. Once home, he couldn't go back to work right away and became stir crazy, uh, not being able to do much without feeling exhausted. He's a retired uh, FAA air air traffic controller and a U.S. Navy veteran that took an interest in sports and working with wood. He practiced woodworking for around 20 years and became pretty darn good at it. For Christmas, I came up with a gift idea for my friend. I tried to take the autograph on my signed Eisenman jersey and create a stencil for my father to attempt to cut out, not knowing if he'd be able to uh, be wood, willing or able to try. He was so bored that he jumped on the opportunity and created a gorgeous Steve Eisenman autographed out of American oak. Uh, my friend loved it so much that he posted on social media and almost instantly he had comments demanding to know where and how they could get one. Fortunately, through word of mouth and social media, we use the money uh, race to slowly eat away at health, hefty medical bills. They have a Facebook page, guys, called Timber Graphs. Timber Graphs, one word. Check us out. Give us our page a like. Um, how do you spell graphs? Is it G-R-A-F-T or graphs as in like a graph? G-R-A, yeah, graph, like G-R-A-P-H-S. Okay. Uh, look up timber graphs and there's some awesome ones. There's, uh, the number five made up out of all the five autographs of the Russian five players, which is like, I'm looking at it and it is beautiful. Uh, we have the Gordy one, how that he gave us or Gordy Howe one that he gave us. There's Steve Eiserman, there's Sidney Crosby. Like they do a bunch of these and they're all absolutely gorgeous. There's Litzerum. Yeah, those are sweet. Yeah. And we have a Gordy one, uh, guys go check out timber graphs message Don, uh, for sure, to get one of these things. We're going to feature it in our episodes, and we're also going to be giving these away in the future. Um, it's for a good cause, and Don's a great person. We met him. He was one of the winners of our ticket giveaway, so that was absolutely awesome. Yep. Any little thing we can do to help, we yeah. are more than on board with that. Uh, all right. That was this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed everything. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Darren McCarty. 
Um, I can't wait for the next time when we're going to have him in person. It's going to be way better because he's going to be chock full of uh, Reese's and Arrow. Yeah. And shreddies with brown sugar. And we won't have a time limit to cut him off for. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Four hour episode. Yeah, it will be. And I'm here for it. In the middle of uh, you and uh, Darren talking, I showed Evan my phone and I had typed out, imagine a podcast with just Darren and Brad. It would never end. No, it wouldn't. And no. it would just be two people interrupting each other the entire time. This is the song that never... Hey, I don't think I interrupted Darren once this time. This no, because he dominates the air. Yeah, there, there there, was times like we would pause and we're like, is... Yeah. And then he kept going. We're like, okay, good thing we didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to thank our name level sponsors, Sky Carcass, Luke Johnson, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Matthew M. Rice, Sean Levine, Matt McKay, Kaylin Wood, Jacob Turner, brand new late name level sponsor. Welcome. Charlie Elkins, John Evans, Antonio Lupu, Ian Bush, new name level sponsor. Welcome to the Dub Dub family. Rob Thiel, Craig Kibble, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Mike DiLoretto. I believe Craig is also a new name level sponsor. Um, Hannah Lee, uh, Simon Anderson. Welcome all. I, did I say Ryan Lewis? Thank you all so much for your support. Jersey giveaway coming soon, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the Darren McCarty interview, and we will see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.